and welcome to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery, Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, Editor-in-Chief, ArrowheadPride.com, and producing the operation as usual, Chris Unocero. Good evening to you, Pete, as CDOT looks for his wallet. <laughs> Check your pouch, your, your pouch. What's going on, Jay? How are you? We got the Dolphins coming up this weekend. I, I remember when I used to do a lot more Arrowhead Pride work with Sean Barber, this was something that he would tell us about the players. Players like to look at the season in fourths, so you try to you know lower lower your expectations, just try to win each game, and let's finish 4-0 each fourth of the with season. Todd Haley. So now we're finally into the final fourth of the year. You, you try to finish the job. The Chiefs are right there, and hopefully – the Pittsburgh Steelers win, or I should say, lose one more game, and all of a sudden you, you'll get that week off. Alex Smith How in about the that? Uh, Washington football How team, about that? and he's bleeding from the other leg. He just, uh, I got so much, <laughs> I got so much respect for that dude. I, well, you and I have gone over the respect level I've had for him for what he did with Mahomes. You know, checking the ego to the side. We don't see it a lot in the NFL. But Alex Smith was huge in the development. He really was. To have that guy here was the perfect storm. I've always said Alex Smith being here is the perfect storm. But here he is helping out the Chiefs again. Now, this didn't help him out in the grand scheme of things. If Pittsburgh finishes 15-1 and the Chiefs finish 15-1, they're still the one seed. We need them to lose to an AFC team the way that the works. And, well, the Buffalo Bills this week, Hey, last year Buffalo let us down. Chiefs fans went to the Buffalo Bills bar here in town. House. House Barn Grill, they had their buffalo wings and their beer, and they were rooting on Buffalo Bills. And they let us down until a man with a beard in South Florida named Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and speaking of him, Mitch Holtis comes in here and does uh, Chiefs Kingdom on Monday nights. And he's, as he was leaving, we were talking about Fitz for a second. And Mitch said that when Fitz retires, he will personally pay for his plane ticket to fly up here to do a show with or something, just something related. That's the appreciation. Brian Flores got ribs from Andy Reid. Andy Reid told that story today to the Miami media. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Holtus is going to fly up old Fitz. Yeah, I, I think sometimes when you have Super Bowl seasons, you remember little things like that. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, of course, was a huge part of the Chiefs essentially getting a playoff win. That's what a bye week is. It's it's really a, a free win. So he, he That's why we have our beards. Right, he, exactly. A little beard magic here. Uh, he knocked off the Patriots, and the Chiefs got the bye. And and who knows if that doesn't happen? If it goes exactly the way it does, you never know with this type of stuff. So he was a hero last year, and I I think there'll be some type of reunion where he comes back and maybe does a show with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, and maybe he bangs the drum. And now you have Alex Smith, who might end up being one half of that heroics for the Chiefs this year. I look at this Steelers and Buffalo game. Now, on Sunday, I'll tell you, Jay, the Buffalo Bills opened as two-and-a-half-point underdogs. It is now down to the Buffalo Bills being two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. So if the Chiefs take care of business, you could watch Sunday Night Football, and all of a sudden we could wake up Monday morning, things happen fast in the NFL, and have the Chiefs in position to control their own destiny to get that by. And we know Andy Reid coached teams Love a bye week. We always talk about Pete. Who's that next tier of teams? We've done that all year, and it's been it's been Pittsburgh. It was the Ravens, and then that you know that clearly changed. And then the Steelers, Steelers and Chiefs, right? Yeah. To me, the Buffalo Bills, if they beat Pittsburgh, it's that team. You need to start looking at the Buffalo Bills instead of the Steelers and what they're doing. And I'm not putting the Titans, the Colts, and the Browns. Listen, I, I talked to you before the show. Right. They're Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde teams. People <laughs> were loving Cleveland. 
and hating on Tennessee, even though the week before Tennessee looked like world beaters putting the beat down on the Colts, which by the way, two weeks previous to that, the Colts went to Nashville and hammered the Titans. They're up and then they're down. I dis- I'll disagree with you, and not that I'm saying any of those teams that you just mentioned are contenders. My uh, thought here is that there are no contenders. I don't think there's a contender to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. I mean, you mentioned your Buffalo Bills here. They lost to the Titans, who they're are Jacqueline Hyde, 42-16. The Chiefs go into Buffalo, and they run all over them. They're playing all these defensive sure. backs because they're scared to get beat deep. The Bills, even Rainy though night. the score ended up being close, but the Bills were never a part of that game. They also lost to the, the Cardinals, and they're playing a little bit better now. But which team in the AFC do you really feel like, and you say, okay, I can bet on them as an underdog versus the Chiefs. I'm not betting on anybody against the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, especially with what they did last year. And, if again, if they can take care of business the rest of the way here, there'll be a 15-1 team entering it. And there might be some teams in that second tier, and we have a lot of them now that could be playing well toward the end of the season. But are you really going to be betting on them? There's no way. And There, so there was I, a fluke loss to the Bills. I mean, I, it's a Hail Mary. Those things don't. The percentage of those work, and it did. They beat the Bills that night. We'll look at we'll look ahead at the AFC in a minute, Pete. But let me go over this: twenty-two to sixteen, the Broncos. The Broncos played the Chiefs incredibly well, but I think some significant out of this game. Andy's now won eleven games in six of his eight seasons. Now this is eleven, and it won't stop. But six in his last eight, and he's made the playoffs now seven or eight times in Kansas City. Keep in mind, his high water mark is thirteen wins. He did that once. In Philadelphia, he doesn't get to 12 a ton. He's done it a few times with the Chiefs. But the bottom line is, in this league, with parity and it's so hard to win, 11 wins this season already for the Chiefs. Yeah. And the fact that he's done it now six out of eight seasons with the Chiefs is incredible. It It is incredible. And, you know, it's a point that I always try to remind Chiefs fans here is just it's so awesome to be making the playoffs every year. I mean, you see teams that will make the playoffs. They think they have turned their franchise around, and then all of a sudden they're out for another two or three seasons. Chiefs consistently make it, and if you're consistently going to be in the dance, and it might not be in by um, in by competition you know, each and every year, but if you're making the playoffs consistently and you have Patrick Mahomes and you have Andy Reid, even if you're not in contention for the one seed in a, in a given year, even if you're a two or a three, you never know what's going to happen, and to – be a part of that and, and to get to watch that, I think, over the next whatever it's going to be. It could be 5 to 10 to 15 years. It should be a really fun time. Well, the red zone issues with the Chiefs, that showed up a little bit there against the Broncos. Well, a lot of it, to be honest with you. Over for their first four trips, finally that Kelsey touchdown right at 20 yards for the red zone. But red zone troubles uh, have, have been bothering the Chiefs at times. Now, keep in mind, I think this is kind of an overrated stat because they score a lot outside the red zone. I mean, the big plays ability. That has to be taken into account yep. when you think of the Kansas City Chiefs. You find your wallet? It was another chair. All right. <laughs> See, that found his wallet. See, these are good signs. These are good things that are happening. But they're 23rd in the NFL in red zone scoring with touchdowns. And, again, you have to take it with a grain of salt because I, I think we make a big deal out of this. Like, oh, my God, they're not scoring touchdowns every single time. I will remind people the Broncos were fourth in the NFL at giving up the fewest red zone touchdowns. In comparison, the Chiefs are 32nd. Not good. And the Broncos were fourth, so the bend but don't break philosophy 
really came through. You were able to ask Patrick Mahomes a question today when he met the media about this issue. Hey, Patrick, I, I know that recently red zone success has been a, a point of conversation. As you guys have self-scouted the past week or two, how do you feel like you can improve in that as, as we get to the final fourth of the season? Yeah, I think uh, first execution, uh, whenever we do have the right play, we got to find the right guy and, and, and hit him and get in the end zone. And then, I mean, when it comes down to it, you just got to be, you got to be tougher and find ways to run the ball in there. I mean, we've had opportunities where we have, where we have chances to, to, to get in the end zone as far as me throwing it with guys opening the end zone or, or running the ball and trying to punch it in there. Um, but kind of like what EB says, I mean, you got you got to be able to run the ball when they know you're going to run the ball. Okay, it's great that Butker has been nails again. You know, the five for five. I mean, that's, you know, welcome back, huge Harrison part of, Butker. To huge be part of this past week's win. A huge part of it. That in the defense. Right. This is about Harrison Butker and the Chiefs defense and the Honey Badger. I think I think Tyron Matthew had his best game this season. I mean, he was targeted three times, got two picks on it, had the tackle for loss, such, led the Chiefs in tackles this past week in him and Hitchens tied. Such a key cog, too. Because you saw last year how when he's playing well, it feels like 11 guys are playing sure. well. And Quarterback you, of that defense. You felt that, I thought, this past game, and, and you would really like to see that continue in this next game. Here's the one thing about it, Pete. I, I talked about it on the postgame show a little bit, the Arrowhead Pride postgame show, that, that, yes, they're in close games. Yes, they dance with fire at times, but they're not getting burnt. You know what I'm saying? They're going around that, that that campfire. They're getting a little too close, and right. mom and dad are like, hey, you're getting too close to the fire. But you know what? They're winning, and that's the mark of a good team. Bad teams find a way to lose these games. It's the same thing with baseball. These teams that lose games in the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning. Good teams find a way to win those, like the 14 and 15 Royals. They would win those games in the late innings. The Chiefs are winning the games in the late innings. Three straight weeks, I think, this this offense of Patrick Mahomes have done something Incredible. They they leading touch the, the game winning touchdown against the Raiders, bleed the clock against the Bucks, keep yep. Tom Brady on the sideline, and uh, Patrick Mahomes picking up two first downs with his leg and one eight yard toss to Hill to ice that game. And really, they they got the punt back for six minutes, and they brought it down to where Drew Locke didn't have any timeouts and no time to go down the field in that game. So that's three straight weeks that the offense has kind of played defense for this football team and won the game. Yeah, and I it it did seem in in previous years it felt like they were letting teams maybe hang around a little bit longer, whereas they are in a sense I think um, putting their their foot on the throat of the opposing team even in these games that are close. I would like to see a wire to wire type of victory, and I think you have a great opportunity here against a Dolphins team. To me. While they aren't necessarily world beaters, they they're a pretty good team. They're they're eight and four. They got a pretty good defense. I, I know we're going to talk about uh, Flores and and the defense as the show goes along here, but I I think it's a team that is good. But the Chiefs are clearly better than. So let's win by ten points or more. Let's not have the team hanging around in the fourth quarter. I think the Chiefs could use one of those wins. Starts with Patrick Mahomes and continues along with the defense. Not only that, but this this Dolphins team is, okay, points per game, 16th in the NFL, 25.3. The Chiefs are the second-highest team in scoring, just shade below where the Packers are. But points per game defensively, the Dolphins are excellent, 17.7 points a game. So it's the number two scoring offense against the number two scoring defense. I will say this about the Dolphins. Yes, they don't rank. They're right in the middle of pack and pass defense and run defense and everything else. But when it comes to the most important stat – the Dolphins have been good, and that's how they've been winning, not giving up points. 
Yeah, it's a defense-driven team, and that's going to be the case when you're dealing with Fitzpatrick, who was great for Kansas City, but he is a journeyman quarterback, and then Tua, who is still, I think, getting his feet under him. And so you're going to have to win by holding the opposing team to a certain amount of points. Any team that's matched up with the Chiefs like that, where they're going to have to rely on their defense to win the football game, should not come close to winning that football game, right? I mean, if that's what we're we're saying with the Chiefs, we want to have one of these historic offenses, and they have this trio of Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, the Dolphins and the team that's built that way should not be able to stop the Chiefs. Now, we'll see what happens. Again, you, you go into games feeling a certain way, and, and lo and behold, they end up being a little bit different than you might have thought. So let's see. Let's see what happens in this game. I think it's a nice test for the Chiefs at, at noon, a noon time for the first time in a while. Another interesting issue before we get to Matt Lane talking about the Chiefs offense was probably the greatest catch this year in the NFL that's not going to count. Tyree Kill <laughs> had the ball. It was a bizarre play. Here was uh, Patrick Mahomes on that play. I didn't realize until uh, after they showed the replay and we'd already punted. Um, so uh, I told Tyreek in the locker room, I said, man, you're so good at, at receiver. You don't even know when you catch touchdowns these days. It's kind of like I liken it to the movie Perfect Storm. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it's like all these storms you know, sure. coming together at the same time. Okay, so so usually receivers, you think they've caught it because they'll sell that they caught it. Right. Well, Andy Reid, we know his loyalty and trust in his players. Well, if the player is not selling the head coach, like, hey, it caught it. Now, had he stepped up and gone like, I caught it, I caught it, I caught it, and done all these things, Andy Reid does not hesitate. And I think by punting a little too quick, I think in hindsight, and you heard Andy Reid on Monday, in hindsight, take their time a little bit more. I don't see any read these things happen. They never happen again. Like little things happen and they never happen well, to an Andy Reed team again. This I don't think will ever happen again. I don't think it will happen either. I don't blame Andy Reed here because you're right. I mean, the player got up and is saying he didn't catch it. You're not going to not believe him. And Andy Reed said in the 20 plus years, he's being a head coach, you know, yeah. 10, 15, whatever, more than that uh, as an assistant. Never seen anything like that. And you make a good point about the trust because sometimes it's about other things, but that's a huge, I would say, pillar of the Andy Reid program. You know, I've talked with people, and one of the first things he says at training camp to the team is the easiest way to find yourself out of here is by not telling me the truth. That And, and there's just that extreme trust, and I even think that extends to the game. So, well, if Tariq said he didn't catch it, he didn't catch it. It's loyalty, ultimate trust. Now, in this situation, <laughs> it, they, they can't explain it. Neither can I. I'm watching the game with Kramer. Kramer's the producer on the post-game show. I'm right. watching, and I'm watching Tyreek Hill's reaction. Right. And I'm like, oh, he didn't catch that. It makes then, no sense. And then Kramer said, I think he caught that. I was like, really? And then so we started watching it, and I was like, whoa, they did. I, I You see sometimes where – the ball clearly hits the ground and still to this day, receivers try to pretend knowing that there's a million camera angles because in the very small chance that they can get that angle, it's a catch. It is a very weird play that you're right. I don't think will ever happen again. It won't. Uh, before we get to Matt Lane, here was uh, Andy Reed just this afternoon talking about a pretty healthy chiefs team, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, just as far as the injury, we had a couple guys that were sick, uh, not non COVID related, but uh, yes, sir. Durant and then Tyreek Hill, uh, both were sick. So, and then Damon Wilson uh, had hurt his knee, so he didn't he didn't practice either. Obviously, get well soon, Tyreek Hill. Because last week it was <laughs> it was uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire that was sick but didn't play. Yeah. Give him the IVs. These are non-COVID issues. That would be the only one that would concern me, and it doesn't really concern me. Me and Wednesday. 
Very quickly on this stomach virus that seems to be going around the team, Bashad Breeland mispracticed at the beginning of next week, or last week, I should say, and he was able to play. And you saw where Clyde, it seemed like, was more midweek and late week. So I feel okay about Durant being available and then Tyree Kill playing in this game. I do have a little bit of concern with Damian Wilson. The DNP did not practice with a knee is usually not a good combination. That is one we're going to have to monitor all week and going into tomorrow. That's a player that you, you wish you had and you wonder how this impacts Willie Gay. You might see him even a bit more. Well, you're listening to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Pete Sweeney, myself, and Chris and O'Sara producing the operation. When we come back, talk Chiefs offense. We have a uh, another guy from ArrowheadPride.com. It's usually Ken Swanson, and sometimes it's Matt Lane. Sometimes Pete and I go to the Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. That's right, get the backup involved. And Matt Lane, Le'Veon Bell of ArrowheadPride.com, comes in next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, Chris Inocero producing the operation. Now time to go to the phone line and talk to Matt Lane at Chief in Carolina on Twitter. Unbelievable breakdowns of the game, plus who to watch for on college football, which I always appreciate, and a part of that KC draft guide as well with Kent Swanson, Craig Stout, and the fellas. Matt, good evening to you. Oh, good evening, JB. Hey, we're just talking about the uh, Chiefs and Broncos game and the uh, the red zone scoring. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal, to be quite honest with you, Matt, because unlike other teams, they'll score from 40 yards out, 50 yards out, and I do think that skews the numbers. I am not worried about the second-highest scoring team in the NFL at all. I don't know about you in the red zone, what's going on in the red zone, but to me, no big deal. As far as like an offensive concern for the team, I think it has to be up there. Like I'm with you in that there is a little bit of skill going on because they do score from outside the red zone so frequently, and they obviously have no problem putting the points up on the board. So you don't expect it to really be a big issue. But if you were to poke holes in some of the offensive side of the ball, I do think the red zone stuff has to go right there at the top along with some of the offensive line play is the two things that are going to stop you from scoring points more so than the opposing defense, is just going to be some of the stuff that they're doing to themselves with that, like I said, offensive line play, or just the, I don't can't say lack of creativity in the red zone, because it's very much creative. I think it's just a lack of actually being able to put the ball in the, the end zone through more traditional senses. Matt Lane filling in for our lead film analyst, Ken Swanson tonight. Matt Lane, another great analyst at our site, does some Great stuff each week. It picks a certain topic and goes over the film. This week was about the secondary. Also does some of our college work. We'll He's Le'Veon Bell, Pete. Give him credit. Tell you some, some prospects to watch on Saturdays for the Chiefs uh, in positions of need for the 2021 NFL draft. Matt, uh, speaking of Le'Veon Bell, we got our first look where he was the guy, finally, this past Sunday against the Denver Broncos. What did you make of what was still, it seemed, limited opportunity, but he had the most chances he's had in, in really since he's been at Kansas City Chief? Absolutely. I think he was good. I mean, Le'Veon Bell, he's had an interesting career. Because you go back to when he was kind of at his peak with Pittsburgh, the running style is the exact same. Yeah, I think he's lost a step, but he's never been the most explosive guy. He's just really patient has good vision and just kind of waits until a defender makes the wrong read or until his offensive line kind of opens up stuff for him. And that's exactly how I think he runs for the Chiefs. 
you see some of the plays where, you know, maybe there's a lack of burst, but he does a good job finding the right hole. He's going to sit behind his double-team blocks as long as he can. And the Chiefs were able to open up a few cutback lanes for him. They were able to let him get sprung forward for a few games. But ultimately, that style of running, and I think Clyde Edwards-Dillair falls in this category too, needs a little bit stronger kind of offensive line play than what the Chiefs consistently get when run blocking. I think that's almost why you saw Daryl Williams look like a more effective runner because he's going to hit the hole a lot harder pretty right. much straight ahead rather than wait for the offensive line to do it for him. I'll tell you what about Daryl Williams. I always liked the signing from the Chiefs when they got him out of LSU undrafted. He was part of that, sat behind Leonard Fournette, then he sat behind Darius Geis. Never complained, never transferred portaled, just kept doing his job. And I felt like he's been that way with the Chiefs, even though they'll go out and get in the Le'Veon Bell. But I'll tell you what, though, teams don't really plan for Darrell Williams. And I know they're putting in you know significant work on Clyde, and they put in probably a little bit of work on Le'Veon Bell, too. But Darrell Williams was extremely effective. 6.3 yards per carry, 6 carries, 38 yards. And some of those were important situations. You saw kind of Andy's trust level with Darrell Williams. Darrell Williams rarely disappoints when he gets that opportunity for the Chiefs. Oh, the team the team absolutely loves him and trusts him. I mean, you see that even when all the running backs are healthy, he's often, you know, the third down running back. He's the guy they trust the most in pass protection, or the guy that Patrick Mahomes seems to trust the most to do more than just be a check down receiver. They plan specific plays for him. Like they have a ton of trust in him. And he really did reward them with against the Broncos. Like I said, he looked like the most effective back. And I think it's just an entirely different running style. And maybe, like you said, that's the Broncos defense not preparing for a guy that is going to come a little bit more straight downhill, right at you as fast as he can. And it worked. It looked really, really well for him. So he's good to keep around. I think everybody on the team feels more comfortable when he's on the field, opposed to some other guys right now, because they just have that trust in them. Talking with Matt Lane on Arrowhead Pride. Radio, Matt, I, I want to ask you about something you touched upon in, in your last point, and as we're talking about running backs, what do you feel, uh, or I should say, how do you feel about the Chiefs' offensive line right now? Do you like the combination? Would you like to see it maybe changed here down the stretch? I think that they should go with the change. I don't know exactly what it is. I wouldn't even be opposed to seeing maybe two different guys in there on the interior. I do think that they're bringing... Seven was missing along again. They okay. had him last year, so you know he fits. I'm hoping you see him in there soon. I wouldn't mind a switch back to Daniel Kilgore. And it's not that I think these guys are definitely better than what they're fielding right now. I think it's just they're a little bit different. And right now, whatever the interior offensive line is, it's just not working. And I think that's kind of been your biggest culprit in the red zone is you can't trust those guys to get a yard. You don't always trust them to pick up blitzes or pressures that you might see in those situations. So just a change by proxy of being different might do them some good right now. Allegretti likes to hit people, Matt. We know that um, KO, Calicio Simile, I believe, was the best. That was the toughest guy on that offensive line. That's why they call him KO. Well, that's his initials, too, but he literally KO'd people. But <laughs> Stefan Wisniewski, I'm a huge fan of this guy. And when he got that opportunity last year in the last five games, I, I felt he fit in there like a glove on a, on a Super Bowl champion team. I like his addition. I think it's going to be hard for the Chiefs not to play him. And it, it's controlled violence. Let me put it this way. It's controlled, aggressive, you know, veteran style. But he brings that punch with him. You know, he's a lunch pail guy. I think it's going to be very difficult for the Chiefs 
not to put him in this offense, especially since he's not coming off the street. This is a guy, you know, with the Steelers, they'd let him go because the injury, but he knows the offense. No, I absolutely agree. And I think he's kind of a guy that fits in really well with any offensive line. And I think you've had, you know, many guys throughout the Chiefs history. I mean, I think Jeff Allen even comes to mind. These are guys that maybe don't have the most physical, just raw talent. But like you said, they're kind of lunch pill guys. They do their job. They're very good complementary players. They play really well with the guys next to them. They don't need to be the star. They don't have to be the guy making the pancake block or making the most impressive block in space. They're really good at helping out other guys around them. I don't know if the Chiefs have a unit of guys right now in the interior that any of them really excel in that role. I think they all kind of play not just on their own, but they're not looking out for one another, and part of that could be trying to catch up to the speed of the game and little bits and things like that. But I would love to see Wisniewski back in there. I think he would make Mike Rimmers, who probably had his worst game starting, look a little bit better if he was playing in place of Andrew Wiley. He'd make Austin Ryder look a little bit better playing next to him. I think he's a guy that would elevate the other players as much as he would just be better himself. Matt, we've looked behind. Let's look ahead. It's the Chiefs and the Dolphins at noon on Sunday. How do you feel like the Chiefs' offense matches up against the Dolphins' defense? It is a fun matchup. This is one of the better defenses in the NFL. I'm playing the best right now. That secondary that the Dolphins are feeling right now is no joke. They have two outstanding cover corners on the outside. They use a few different guys in the nickel, kind of in the slot, but they've been playing well. So if you were going to pick a secondary that could attempt to match up with the Chiefs in man coverage, the Dolphins would be one of them. I don't know if Brian Flores is going to go that route. They like to, but the Chiefs offense has clearly been really good in that situation. I would imagine you see a little bit more of New England-style approach, mixing up a lot of man, a lot of zone, getting a lot of different bracket coverages. So it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs attack it. I don't think their pass rush is particularly exceptional, though, and that really plays into the Chiefs' hands. Well, Brian Flores was asked about that. He said, well, maybe zone, maybe man. He said, you got to play this team differently because it's yeah. about as aggressive as this. He's number one in the NFL in blitz percentage. 41% of the times, he's blitzing. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes do that. eats blitzing Can't for breakfast. It. Actually, he has Mahomes Magic Crunch, but <laughs> besides that, he eats blitzing for breakfast. No, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I especially don't think that you can blitz and then have the kind of corners they have, which is Byron Jones and Howard, very aggressive guys. They are not going to play patient bail off the line of scrimmage to let you know the pressure get home. They want to be up in the wide receiver's face. I mean, and we saw just how that went against Tampa Bay when they tried to do the same thing. Now, both these corners are better, but there's nobody in the league, and that includes Jones and how they can't run with Tyree Kill or McCall Hardman vertically if you're sending extra pressure not giving them help. So I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how Flores treats this game because he has been excellent this year for them. Matt Lane, thank you for joining us. Uh, usually it's pink at night, but uh, we had to steal you here for Arrowhead Pride. Did a radio, good job. But, uh, yeah, Matt's always my guy. Kent's so. got to be careful. I mean, Matt got the call up and really shined. Le'Veon Bell just scored four touchdowns. Yeah, look out. <laughs> you know what I'm Matt Lane at Chief in Carolina on Twitter, big part of ArrowheadPride.com. Thanks a lot, Matty. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. Have enjoyed No problem there. And we'll look at the uh, Dolphins. And I, uh, Craig Stout, the defensive film analyst for Arrowhead Pride, does such a great job. But uh, I have a feeling we have a few Dolphins questions here. Two is a left-handed quarterback. Mm. And you even asked Andy about Tua and being a left-handed quarterback. He's the first left-handed quarterback to start in five years. Craig Stout next. 
This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Tune in to hear Mitch Holtis, Fridays at 7.30 on Fesco in the Morning, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. I'm Jay Binkley with the Editor-in-Chief, ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, also the Chiefs Insider, here at 610 Sports Radio with Chris Unicero, producing the operation. Joining us now, our good friend at Barley Hop, Chiefs Defensive Film Analyst, ArrowheadPride.com. Craig, good evening. Good evening, Bink. So glad to be here on this evening talking Chiefs with you tonight. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's what we like to do is we like talking some Chiefs. And you know what? This was a night in your wheelhouse, Craig. This was not Kent Swanson and Matt Lane and everybody able to put out their articles, peacock a little bit with their chest. It was you, my friend, that could do the peacocking the way that the, the Chiefs defense showed up and played. And Harrison Butker and the Chiefs defense were the story and so was the Honey Badger against the Broncos. Yes, they definitely were. It was good to see a situation where the Chiefs offense maybe wasn't able to finish some drives. You know, some, some weird stuff happened on that side of the ball. And for the Chiefs defense to step up, force mistakes out of the Denver Broncos, really close some things out, only allowed one point nine yards per play in the fourth quarter and just really kind of locked things out when the Chiefs were clinging to a three-point and a six-point lead. You know, we, we saw earlier on that day the uh, the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, make a miracle last-second play. And a lot of people maybe were hemming and hawing about the way that the Chiefs defense was going to finish that because, you know, we're Chiefs fans. We've seen some flashes <laughs> before. But the defense stepped up. Tyron Matthew was great, and they closed things out. It was wonderful. Was Greg great. Williams should have got a raise, Craig, because, listen, their goal is 0-16. <laughs> they do not need the way he – I don't know why he didn't keep his job. Right. Those kind of decisions get you Trevor Lawrence, who, that, by the way, is 33-1 and as a starter. It was a classic Greg Williams decision, but one of the worst decisions we've seen in a while in the NFL. That's how you look at it, Pete. Craig Stout, our defensive film analyst at Arrowhead Pride, he will review the defense each and every week, and a part of his articles are the good, the bad, and something you might have missed. So, Craig, I want you to take now the rest of the season. We've seen 12 games. What's one thing you really like about the Chiefs defense and one thing you really dislike about the Chiefs defense as they head into the final four games? Well, I think I really like the way that the base defense is playing, both in the run and in the pass. Steve Spagnuolo has done a really good job of getting rookie Willie Gay on the field and adding a little more speed. Mm. Anthony Hitchens is playing a little faster as well, and that's leading to better and better performances when the Chiefs get to go, you know, counter heavy with heavy. You know, people talk about this playoff football. You know, Tennessee Titans going to come out here and they're going to pound the ball. They're, they're going to run all over the Chiefs. I don't get that impression this year. I think that's really rounding into form. I think we're seeing, particularly this week, you know, the, the Denver Broncos ran all over the Chiefs in the dime, but when they were in the base, the Chiefs were just stuffing them for gains of one, none, and tackles for loss. That's really good. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. And then for something that I dislike, Man, I, I want this four-man pass rush yep. to get better because Steve Spagnuolo wants to be able to drop more guys into coverage. He wants to get more exotic with some of his coverage looks, getting guys rotating different spots, and he can't do that if he's got to consistently blitz as much as he has the past couple of weeks. 
he has blitzed way more than his season average the last two weeks just to try and bring some pressure. And it's working against those quarterbacks, but it does limit some of the stuff that he can do on the back end. Now would be a fantastic time for Frank Clark, Alex Okafor, Chris Jones, Tershawn Wharton, those four guys to really step into their own and start creating consistent pressure because that would be just just the perfect time going into the play. In the last six games, they've only allowed two teams or two performances over 104 yards, both of those against the Broncos. Now this week, uh, Craig, it's going to be a different style that they're going to have to prepare for. And I want you to – this is a question from Pete to Andy Reid today about Tua – because he's left-handed. We have not seen a left-handed starter in five years in the NFL. Hey, Coach, I know you guys have done some unique things in the past when it comes to preparing for someone like Lamar Jackson. Will there be anything unique with the left-hander in Tua, and how difficult is it to prepare for someone with so few NFL starts to their name? Well, he's got enough. I mean, he's a good football player, and um, so is Fitz. I mean, they've, they've got a good – they've got two good quarterbacks, so you got to make sure that you you got the right side and the left side of it covered. And um, <laughs> Uh, but Tua's got a great future, you know, and, and Brian knows that. So they're they're working him in, and <clears throat> he's producing for him. Uh, and it looks like it's a really good draft pick for him. All right, Fitz is the right-hander. Not only that, that beard's worth 14 points on its own. Right. And then you got two of the left-hander, Craig. Uh, how is the defensive philosophy, do you think, that changes for the Chiefs looking at a southpaw? I mean, I, I think it does change a little bit. Obviously, you know, it, the blind spot it changes drastically there. I think you see, you know, these guys work different ways, you know, use their eyes a little bit differently when they're, when they're positioned the way that they are. But I think that Tua is the biggest part about him. The biggest thing that's going to matter for him is just what he can do with his legs. We've seen this evolution of the quarterback position where you can't just be a stand-in-the-pocket passer all the time and yeah. be successful. This is not the way that you win in today's NFL because defenses will tee off. Steve Spagnuolo will blitz you to death and hit you and hit you and hit you until you're so uncomfortable that you start making mistakes. That's what we've seen you know, against Tom Brady. That's what we saw against Drew Locke. Tua Tagovailoa is a guy that can move the pocket, shift the pocket, avoid some of these blitzes, and has the athleticism to get outside the pocket, move into his left, and able to make some stuff happen in the secondary extending plays. That's, what, frankly, what I'm worried about. I mean, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I love what he did for the Chiefs <laughs> like we all last do. year, getting us the bye. I mean, my goodness. But... I would much rather see him as a defensive coordinator because he's going to be a lot more immobile in the pocket and you're able to get home a lot more with the blitzes than you are against a guy like Tua. Chiefs are certainly to lucky or the Chiefs are certainly lucky to have played against some mobile quarterbacks and Deshaun Watson, Lamar, and of course Teddy Bridgewater, so on and so forth. So at least it won't be completely new for them. Craig, I had a question about Damian Wilson, who suddenly has a mysterious knee injury that kept him out of practice on Wednesday. We'll be monitoring this at arrowheadpride.com. If this is more than just a day of rest, how does that impact the Chiefs on Sunday? I think it impacts the Chiefs with what every Chief fan asks me about every single week. I think you see Willie Gay Jr. Yeah. in the nickel, Everybody everybody really wants to see it. He's the primary backup right now for Damian Wilson. When they've gone to those second-team reps, he's been the guy with Ben Neiman there in the nickel late in the games and blowouts. 
where he's been the guy that stepped in next to the mic. So I think we'll see a lot more Willie Gay Jr. I think we'll see a lot more of him in those situations. This might be an audition for him. If he comes out and he looks really good and shows a good grasp of the playbook, which I believe is the only thing that's really keeping him off field because that athleticism will be great to have, he might be able to maybe hold down that spot, maybe earn that trust of the coaching staff by showing them on the field because because it's limited offseason, the inability to really get all of those mental reps, this is a prime game to get those mental reps. It's a tough opponent, too. So if he comes out and he shows out really well, the Chiefs might have their hand forced a little bit and maybe want to rely on the rookie going down the stretch. Craig Stout at Barley Hop on Twitter, defensive film analyst for ArrowheadPride.com. It does absolutely fantastic breakdowns of the defense. Thanks a ton, Craig. Hey, thanks, guys. There you go, Craig Stout right there. Well, coming up next, our final segment, but it's Ask Pete Questions. If you have questions uh, for Pete or myself hey, hit us up. regarding the Chiefs, 913-576-7610 is the text line. Ask the questions, and we'll give you the answers. That's next. This is Arrowhead Pride Radio, presented by the Kansas Lottery, 610 Sports Radio. Apply for yours at bankofamerica.com slash more rewarding. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. And welcome back to Arrowhead Pride Radio, brought to you by the Kansas Lottery. Jay Binkley, Pete Sweeney, Chris Unocero producing the operation. Time for your questions, 913-576-7610. From the 816, Pete. Yes. What are the odds of uh, Swartz coming back for the New Orleans game? We're talking about offensive line and guys that can do stuff. Yeah, I, from what I can tell and and starting to hear some things, I, I don't, expect him back anytime soon at, at this point and you know we don't know um 100 but i feel like the back is something you got to be really really careful with and he's been out for enough weeks where i don't know if you want to risk it and and it's probably him in in the room too figuring out what's wrong and and probably i would guess they're focusing on next year at this point the back is just just not something you want to mess with. So I, I would focus on the players that the Chiefs have in the room. I think Wisniewski is a guy that could come up. And as we spoke about earlier with Matt Lane, potentially even Kilgore reentering the lineup at center. One issue here at 913 is Travis Kelsey, the greatest tight end ever. I know that uh, <laughs> CDOT's first question to you today when you joined the drive today, yeah. uh, Pete, um, was about this question. Is, is, is he the greatest of all time? Or there, I know they asked Rich Gannon this question as well. I'll bring that up in Bink at Night. Personally, I think he is. I mean, right. five straight 1,000-yard seasons, never been done. He's second in the NFL in receiving yardage. He is redefined. I know that the knee-jerk reactions, and I try to caution myself from this. Like, oh, that was the best game I ever saw. And I said, <laughs> all right, now I've seen better. You know, Joe Montana and Denver and, sure. you know, coming back. But, I mean, we possibly could be seeing – Three of the best players, goats, at their position, Aaron Donald with the Rams, Travis yep. Kelsey with the Chiefs, and Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. We could be seeing several goats, but I think Travis Kelsey can graze now. Yeah. So right now we're in an NFL season where you have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and they're on separate teams for the first time in two decades, right? And everyone looks at them, and they're trying to find out, well, who was it? Who was responsible for this success? And you're seeing how closely people are paying attention to it. 
I think in the conversation for Travis Kelsey being the greatest tight end of all time, where it's going to be fortunate for him is he has four years with Alex Smith before Mahomes, who is seeming like going to go down as one of the goats, if not the best quarterback ever, right? And so a lot of people may quickly be like, yeah, well, he's playing with Mahomes. What do you expect his numbers to be like? Let me read off the numbers from 14 to 17 with Alex Smith, who we would say is a middle-of-the-road guy, game manager, slightly above average. But he loved tight ends, as Vernon Davis. 862, 875, 1,125, 1,038. Meaning, as he was coming up as a secondary quarterback to what was Anthony Fasano, he's putting up over 800 yards with Alex Smith. Two of those 1,000-yard seasons of the five in a row came with Alex Smith. So after his career, when his numbers are even bigger because of being paired with Patrick Mahomes, you can always point back and say, man, he was doing this before he had Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. And so I... I would say I think he has a very good chance to go down as the greatest tight end in history when it comes to statistics and some really good defenses when it comes to, oh, yeah, but what about Gronk? Oh, yeah, but what about Tony Gonzalez? Here's the thing. He's the fastest tight end over 1,100 yards in 12 games. You know which record he broke? His own back in 2018. (laughs) He is fun to watch. I ask you this. Is he the best non-quarterback in the NFL? Hmm, It's a good question. I, I... I'd lean, you have wide receivers and, you know, before the season started, maybe Michael Thomas, I think DeAndre Hopkins is interesting. I think Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry are interesting. Um, I don't, I wouldn't put Adam Thielen there. Tyree Kill, uh, you know, on the, well, it could be like an Aaron Donald on the same too. team. Yeah. And you, you know, yeah, you look, you got to rope in the defenders as well. Aaron Donald, you got to always go to the quarterback. And so when you, you talk about non quarterbacks, it's hard to talk about the player without pairing him with the QB, but he's certainly up there and you talk, you want to have a conversation about it. He's certainly within the conversation of five to 10 guys. Uh, you can make cases for a lot of players once you start really breaking down the numbers, but my gosh, the chiefs really couldn't have a better tight end in Kansas city, unless you might, talk about Darren Waller and I think he has a lot to prove still any up to Zanti he blocking when he Sherman was out that was the H back yeah for the Chiefs that's always been a complaint about him and one I don't think has been that fair and I'm glad glad he's getting the opportunity to show that that he can block and is very very good at it he blocked for the leading rusher in the NFL in 2017 that goes a long way from the 816 Pete how high will we draft a wide receiver since Hardman is not taking over for Watkins or Robinson well, I think the jury's still out there. I will say this. Watkins, one-year contract. Demarcus Robinson, one-year contract. I do feel at some point the Chiefs will be having to start to look at uh, wide receivers in the draft. They just have to. Yeah, I think Hardman, he needs to get, I think, a little bit more physically bigger if he wants to really replace what Watkins does. I don't think the Chiefs necessarily have a replacement on their roster right now for that particular ex-physical man-to-man type of position so I could see them maybe spending a day one or a day two pick on maybe a more physical receiver one thing I asked Watkins recently because we get these guys only once in a while now is look you know do you see yourself in Kansas City pass this year because there always is the case where you could spend a certain amount of money on a guy if they're they're willing to stay and and he seemed optimistic about maybe staying past this year I think what would be attractive to Watkins is being part of a, a historical team. So if the Chiefs are able to get it done this year, I, I wonder, I, I kind of think that he would be interested in maybe a 3 P for what would be a Kansas City or a Patrick Mahomes discount. 
He seems like that type of guy. He just likes playing football here. Like, and I think he really likes Kansas City, the city. I think he likes it for his family. I think he likes living here. And he's a perfect fit in that number three role. And you don't have the pressure of having to stay on the field. Look, he's an injury-prone guy. Oh. I, you know, he is. He is. And he doesn't necessarily need to be a number one guy. Here was your question to see me. Um, I don't know what what's the what's the whole of the future. Um, all I can do is just keep playing my game and, and having fun, enjoy. Of course, I, I love it here. I enjoy it here. Um, of course, we're ten and one. I love to win, and um, you know, if something get written up and and it fits me, fits my agent, um, of course, I would love to be here. But um, there you go. I, right now, I just want to focus on the season and continue to win, and you know, hopefully, bring home the Super Bowl. That was Pete's question. I had to edit that part out due to time constraints. <laughs> well, thank you for doing that. Uh, Bank, well, yeah, you, you heard it right there. Watkins does, I think, have somewhat of a desire to stay in Kansas City. We'll see if that carries over in the offseason. The championship will, of course, help with that. Thanks to Matt Lane on the Chiefs offense. Thanks, as always, to Craig Stout on the Chiefs defense. Thanks to Pete Sweeney and, of course, the editor-in-chief, ArrowheadPride.com. Thanks to Chris Inocero. Pete, it's been a lot of fun. Look forward to next week talking about the Saints. Appreciate it. We'll see you guys in a few seconds. Big at night next. <laughs>